I can't feel my fingers anymore. I lied. They're, they're, they're numb. Maybe you should wear these extra gloves. My hands are starting to get sweaty. Backhand towards the goal, loose puck, everybody scores! Tie game! Can you believe it? Defended by Simmons, is this the dagger? Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Frostbite Sports, brought to you by Blue Collar Media Group. I'm Harrison Brooks, and as always, I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, at least today, Jet Folk. Miles is away, but how's it going, Jet? Well, I'm going to do the job of two guys today, so I'm looking forward to the challenge. (laughs) (laughs) We got a great show for you today. We'll be talking some NBA playoffs, but before we get into that, I just got a couple quick questions for you, Jet. Yeah, hit me up. So we're about halfway through the first round of the NHL playoffs. What what has stood out to you so far? Do you have any hot takes from what you've seen? Well, I mean, I think obviously a little bit of bias comes into it, but it's got to be pretty crazy for a lot of the hockey fan base to see a Vancouver Canucks team up 2-1 on the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Um, outside of that, honestly, my biggest surprise in the first round is that Calgary isn't taking it more to the stars than I thought they were going to because I thought they were going to come in and just roll these guys. Dallas was looking so weak coming out of that uh, qualifying tournament they're in. And I thought that Calgary was looking hot. It's going to be a battle. I think that might go seven. But uh, as far as hot takes go, hmm, I got to say, I think my hottest take is that I think Kemper might steal one or two more. Um, Maybe that isn't a hot take just because of the fact that he's been playing so phenomenally. But man, that's a whole nother level. And uh, they're, they're a fun team to watch when he's rolling. Yeah. And well, I mean, that's going back to the flames or that's the flames curse right there. It's never, never playing your game for a full, full 60 or multiple games at a time. It's always, uh, always, always waiting on the other teams to see what they do first and then following, following suit with them. So it's pretty disappointing Mm -hmm. as flames fan, honestly, like it's watching, watching the team just hundred percent not be playing up to their own standards or it's like if they play their game they're one of the best teams in the league and like the everything everything points that direction when they play their own game that they're absolutely dominant top to bottom in their roster and they just don't for some reason they can't get it going only Bennett and Dubé can get it going whenever they want very frustrating yeah actually that was another thing I wanted to touch on was the holy cow is Sam Bennett good at hockey in the playoffs (laughs) fuck man I know it's uh, it's amazing and you know what the crazy part is Half the like he's a very uh, controversial player in the Flames, uh, Flames fan base. Uh, half yeah. the guys want to just cut our losses, be like, he's doing 12, 2 million for 12 points in the regular season. Let's just trade him for whatever we can get, second round pick. And then the other half is like, even if he's not putting up points in the regular season, we know what he does in the playoffs and it's worth keeping him around just for that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the craziest thing is, though, right now, he's the by far the best player in the Flames right now. Maybe Cam Talbot, maybe TJ Brody, but. People still want to trade him after the season. They want to be like, oh, let's let's sell high on him right now. And it's like, how can you possibly look at this guy who's the best player on the ice and be like, no, nah, we don't we need less of this. We need more uh more second round picks. Like what what? 
Is the fear there that perhaps he gets taken by the Kraken? Well, I mean, the way he's playing right now, I don't think there's a chance in hell Trey Living lets him go uh, in the expansion draft. Yeah, that's fair. When you know he's this good in the playoffs, like, there's no chance. Mm-hmm. And But the Flames will be losing someone good, whether it's Backlund or Dubé or Mangiapane or or Bennett. Like, someone good is going to the Kraken this time. We, we lucked out with uh, Vegas taking England as a UFA, so. Yeah. Uh, we kind of deserve to let someone good go. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me, I don't know if you saw it or not. It was on Twitter. Jack Edwards, you know, the mm-hmm. voice of the Boston Bruins, got talking about how, oh, yeah, mess with the bear. You you get what you deserve. It's like, man. Yeah, when Svechnikov twisted his knee. Svechnikov's one of their best yeah. players. Like, that's bull. You know, you don't you don't come out and say that. That was just classless. I don't, you know, that was, a, that was fucked up what he said. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. You know what? You know what stood out to me though uh, from the playoffs so far. Couple things. Yeah. I think the Flames are done with Johnny Gaudreau. Staying on the Flames topic, um, you know he did have a good game uh, yesterday. They ended up losing, unfortunately, but uh, he had a good game. But he's just been a non-factor really, and and they have a a rare opportunity here to trade a guy who probably won't be here in three years, anyways, and get a huge package back from they didn't do it with a Ginla or Bomeister. They kind of botched those situations. Now they have a chance to actually do this and, and put their organization in a, in a good place for the next 10 years, honestly, like if they bring back solid prospects and picks. So I think, I think mm-hmm. the flames are going to be done with Gaudreau this off season. Yeah. That's actually a pretty interesting take. Cause I was like an outsider. I'm not really on the in with Calgary news, but to, to hear that that's very intriguing i i didn't realize that it did hit that point yeah and it's and it's more so like obviously you don't just get rid of Gaudreau just because you know he struggles in the playoffs sometimes it's more so that uh, i think a lot of the media people around calgary are pretty sure that uh he's not coming back when he's a ufa so it's just mm-hmm. kind of like time's ticking right now we need to get something for him if he walks for nothing it's going to put us back huge the other factor at play is there's a lot of people talking that uh, Taylor Hall is interested in, in coming to Calgary. And say what you will about Taylor Hall, I'm not a huge fan of him. He's about 85, 90% of what Johnny Gaudreau is, but he's a bigger body. He's yeah, got, he's, right. he's faster, yeah. which, and those things, both those things come in super handy in the playoffs. And if you look, he's 10, 10 points, 10 games right now in the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's not, he's not Johnny Gaudreau in the regular season, but, you know, this is a guy who can, and if we're saying we're a playoff team, we got to bring in guys who are going to show up in the playoffs. And I think Hall can do that more than Gaudreau can. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I, I think uh, just even in looking at the whole Sam Bennett thing, it's like, yeah, it really doesn't matter what you're doing in the regular season. If you show up come playoff time, that's where the real money gets made. So I can definitely see them making a move. That's kind of the feeling around the team about Gaudreau. Yeah. And my, uh, my other, my biggest hot take, uh, I don't think uh, Jordan Bennington is a top-notch NHL quality goaltender. Ooh. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's got. I don't think he's got this. You know, the elite starter potential in him. I mean, he never showed it since Team Canada. You know, this is a guy that they wanted to get rid of. They loaned him to another AHL team, and then uh, had to basically emergency call him up last year, and he just kind of caught lightning in a bottle and went on a tear and won the Stanley cup. And now people are talking about him like he's a top 10 goalie in the league. And I think he's pretty average and we're seeing it kind of right now. I don't think he's got a, another level. And honestly, I don't think he'll be, I don't think he'll be a, uh, 
starter in two years. Yeah, well, I mean, it made me pretty happy to see a guy like Bo Horvat, who I think is just like a stand-up dude, chase a guy like that out of the net because I've seen his personality on social medias, and he's not exactly the nicest dude on the planet. So it's pretty happy to see yeah. him fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, holy Bo Horvat, though. I mean, we just talked about playoff Sam Bennett, but playoff Bo Horvat is uh, is pretty stellar to watch too. Yeah, I'm all about it right now. I just like I like that even in Game Three, I noticed that suddenly whenever he's on the ice, you could just see the St. Louis Blues kind of sit back and go, "Okay, we cannot specifically let this guy beat us," because he was he was doing it. It was a yeah. one man show. And yeah, so, by himself, like just yeah, exactly. absolutely turning guys inside out. Oh yeah, and then finishing too, crazy. And that was the biggest thing I saw in Game Three was that. He couldn't really get much going, but it was because they had everything going towards him whenever he was on the ice. So, I mean, good on him for uh, assessing where they had failed prior and fixing that issue. I just hope that as a Canucks fan, that changes in game four. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my la- my last uh, take about uh, playoffs so far, NHL playoffs so far, is there's a couple of these teams that I just don't, you know, I was, I, I'm probably the biggest fan of Columbus out of the the three of us but I was like I don't think they stand a chance I don't think Tampa Bay ever gives them a chance a hope in hell to to do what they did last year and well mm-hmm. they're five overtimes and then they won the next game and then they lost by one and it's like wow this series could literally go either way right now and then uh New York New York Islanders same thing where it's like they're just a defensive team with one star and it's like and they're still winning games and it's crazy yeah actually like I, they're up three nothing they're about to sweep they might sweep washington and it's it's uh shocking really i gotta admit that i i am one of the many people in the hockey world that has uh slept on guys like josh bailey and brock nelson and uh beauvillier and holy man do they ever show out when it matters like but i mean these are the kind of guys where yeah they're not really star studded by any means but boy, would you ever like to have them on your team, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's just kind of all coming together for them. So that's that's awesome to see. Um, I'm not really sure what's wrong with the Caps. Pretty crazy, but uh, yeah. it is what it is. They're just getting outplayed. They're basically a team of uh, of three lines of basically Sam Bennett's where it's like, yeah, nothing to write home about in the in the regular season and then playoffs come around and they're they're all studs. Like they just step their game up huge, which is, what you need that's how you win in the playoffs you need your third fourth second liners to be better than they were in the regular season and and that's what they're getting so i wonder if they i don't know if they can i probably won't sleep on them in the next round but uh i wonder if they can keep it keep it going with their defensive style well and what is it about the islanders where no matter what goalie they bring in he's just a superstar like varlamov is so average for his whole career but this year boom amazing like what's up with that yeah, just Barry Trotz and his defensive systems and say yeah. it's just gold for goalies. Like every goalie who's on a, a like a last year of, or like a UFA goalie, they should all just sign a one-year deal with Trotz and then boost their numbers and then go cash in the next year. Like every one of them should do that. You hear that, Jordan Bennington? <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, before we get into talking about the NBA playoffs, I just want to take a minute to tell you about one of Blue Collar Media Group's sponsors, Aquamarine Diving. This is Bali's premier aquamarine experience. They're a five-star resort located north of the Kuta Legion area in Bali, and they are the only British owner-operated dive center in the country. Aquamarine's focus is to provide both high-quality service and the best possible diving for their guests. And I know it might be hard to get over there in the near future, but if you do find yourself over there and you want to go for a dive, Make sure you let them know that Blue Collar Media Group sent you. 
And now without further ado, let's get into our main event. Jet, before we start the matchup breakdowns, last night, or a couple nights ago, there was a big game between Memphis and Portland for the 8th place in the West. But it kind of left a bad taste in the mouths of a lot of fans, not because those teams didn't deserve to be there, but because there was a team that deserved it more and didn't have a chance. The Phoenix Suns, they went 8-0 in the bubble, finished with the exact same record as Memphis, and are still on the outside looking in. In my opinion, this is an egregious slip-up by the NBA, especially with no fans. You want you want the fans watching from home to be as invested as possible. And the way you do that is you give the most exciting teams the spotlight and a chance. And that was the Suns for all of the bubble play. And uh, I know you and Miles were talking last week about uh, he was predicting the the Suns to go to steal that spot and, and, and beat out all these other guys. How do you feel about them not even getting a, a chance to do a play-in game there? Yeah, I mean, it's super tough, right? That was such a fun, fun little bubble scenario that nobody ever thought would happen. And it did. And then for it to just end off with, uh, well, thanks for showing up, going 8-0, and now you can go home. Like, that's that's pretty shitty. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't do enough prior to the bubble. They knew what situation they were in. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out in their favor, and this is the result. Yeah, but then you got to compare that to the, how the NHL did it, where, you know, Chicago, Montreal, like Arizona, even like half these teams that are in the playoffs right now, they didn't do enough to make the playoffs, but the they gave them an actual chance to do it. And they rewarded the good play of these teams. And, and the NBA just didn't do that for the Suns. Like they're the best team in the bubble and they didn't give them an actual chance to make the playoffs. And it's kind of sad, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think that, like the NHL was a little bit more sure of their uh, lower seeded teams that they could have maybe made a push had the season ran on normally. Whereas prior to the break, the Suns were pretty average, if not below average. And so I don't think that they ever had it in their mind that this scenario was going to happen, to be honest with you. So I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty in that case. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, they could have done maybe a, a similar format as the NHL did where they they'd have maybe that qualifier type of situation, but they chose to go the play eight games in a season type route. And this is the result, unfortunately for the Suns. Yeah. And uh, so moving on now to the teams that actually are in the playoffs, we'll start with the one seed versus eight seed. Uh, that's LA Lakers versus the Portland trailblazers. Uh, it's kind of the the one bright spot in my opinion of of the Suns not getting uh, not got not getting a chance to get into that eight spot is Portland is just a better team they just are uh, even if they you know they might have lost to the Suns in a play in game they're just a better team and and we've talked about this before where in the East LeBron had he could take the first series off basically they they walked through the first series every year. Playoffs didn't start for him until the second round. But now we're looking at LA versus Portland, and it's not quite the same as as years before. He's gonna have to fight for every inch that he gets in this playoff in the West. You know, this this Portland team, they got jammed. They got a clutch, one of the clutchest guys in the NBA, in my opinion, and Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any real concern here for LeBron or or is it uh or is this one gonna be just like years past where LeBron skates through the first round? I my only issue with Portland or main issue, I should say, is just that they don't have a true wing defender that can cover a guy like LeBron. You know, a, a team like the Clippers can throw Kawhi at him, or uh, the Bucks they can just throw Giannis at him. 
and that makes his job exceedingly more difficult, especially considering he has to be a lot more of a facilitator with this Lakers team. With him kind of being able to free reign and decide whenever he wants to just take the ball to the hoop, that's going to be really, really hard for Portland because then you got to play a defense by committee on LeBron. And what's that do? It takes defenders away from AD. You want AD to go up one-on-one against Nurkic? Not a chance. You don't want AD up one-on-one on anybody. So uh, that's a really tough situation for Portland. Um, Portland is deeper than them, but... The issue is that the star power of the Lakers at the top is just so immense compared to what Portland is bringing to the table that I don't know that they can really counter what LeBron and AD are going to bring, particularly offensively. Uh, I was thinking about this a little bit in like strategy of what, what Portland could do. And I think, honestly, the Warriors have laid the groundwork of how to beat LeBron. Unfortunately, it takes having two of the greatest shooters of all time to complete it. And that Mm -hmm. is threes are worth more than two. Everybody knows this. That's just how math works. Unfortunately, you got to hit those threes. If you're not hitting your threes, they're just going to keep burying you with twos. So uh, you never know, I guess, with a guy like Dalla Dame. Uh, CJ McCollum looked spicy against Memphis Grizzlies, but uh, I just don't know that they can actually implement that kind of game plan. We'll see what they can do. Nurk being healthy, maybe he maybe he surprises some people here, but uh, I think Lakers in five. Okay, yeah. And uh, it's it's crazy you brought up the threes worth more than twos, obviously. It's crazy that the uh, the NBA didn't figure that out for like multiple decades. It was uh, nobody <laughs> shot threes back in the day. It was all twos. Yeah, what a crazy world Steph has built. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, I thought that was interesting. You... you we're talking about, you know, how great Portland can be. Mm-hmm. And you got Lakers in five. Yeah. And then uh, the Mavs versus Clippers. I see in the notes here, you got Clippers in six. So you think the Lakers are going to get by Portland easier than the Clippers are going to get by the Mavs. Yeah. And that's just because, uh, as I touched on with the whole Portland's star power comparatively type of thing to the Lakers, I think the Mavs star power is very, very close to getting to that Kawhi level, especially Luka Doncic. This kid is going to be, well, one of the faces of the league for a decade. So, Yeah, he's one of my favorites right now. Oh, I love him. He plays great. He's so smart. He sees the court so well. And just, I don't know, it seems like he almost never makes mistakes. Yeah. As far as this series goes, I just think that it's a little bit of, too much too fast for the Mavs you know what I mean like there's there's zero doubt in my mind that they are gonna be just a powerhouse I think that they're maybe a starting piece away like a third a third guy to go with Luca and Porzingis yeah uh and then obviously you always want to fill in with depth no matter what game you're playing whether it's hockey basketball whatever but I think just Kawhi and PG, they got too much pedigree. They've they've seen the ins and outs of these playoffs. This is pretty fresh and new stuff for Luka and Porzingis, though they do have a history of having success in Europe. But I think it's just kind of a different game once you get over to the NBA. The benches in this case just aren't close. The Clippers are so deep. They can hit you in so many different ways, offensively and defensively, and just change their schemes so, so quickly because everyone's used to each other at this point which is actually surprising considering their two stars came in this year. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see uh, if these games turn into shootouts just because I know the Mavericks can score out of, 
at a whim. It's incredible, actually. But uh, the Clippers have all of those players that they could throw at them on D. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I got Clippers in six. Only reason being that they are one game later than the Lakers is just that I think Luka and Porzingis can really turn it on every once in a while. And I think they will twice. Okay. But uh, going back to that, uh, we're talking about Kawhi and, and Paul George. These are two of the premier defensive players in the league, right? Yeah. So, and is, is, you know, play so new playoff mentality. I know Luka and Porzingis have been like phenomenal, but you know, they're still young. They still need to learn how to win in the playoffs. Like, is it, is Kawhi and, Paul George's uh, defense going to, you know, stifle them a bit more than they're used to in the regular season. Yeah. They're going to have a lot of troubles because the thing about Kawhi is uh, unless it's a center, you can pretty much put Kawhi on anybody and he's going to shut them down almost entirely. But I mean, that's kind of the magic of what's going to happen in this situation is we get to see what happens when Luca gets a guy like Kawhi thrown at him. Does he, does he falter? Does he kind of, you know, go lay in the corner and cry? Or does he step up and become just a superstar? Because this is where legends are born when you have these crazy matchups, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to act, uh, see see what actually uh, pans out with this situation. And moving on to the the next series, uh, we got the Nuggets at three versus the Jazz at six. And this one's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm loving all these West matchups. Honestly, every one of these is going to be super fun to watch, super interesting. I love, I love when, uh, like the NHL, when it's... Uh, you know, any team can win on any night kind of thing. And uh, you don't really see that as much in the East, but, you know, the, this year in the West, it's going to be a lot of series that are, you know, highly contested. And, and I think this Nuggets-Jazz one is going to be the same for that, where it's two two just solid teams right through, and they're they're going to go toe-to-toe. And I don't I don't know if you can give the Nuggets a huge advantage in this one. Am I, am I wrong about that? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, like, it's not a sexy series by any means. Uh, they're, like, not the most uh, highly touted Lakers, Celtics, you know, put it on a skyscraper type of thing. But uh, this is going to be very highly contested. These teams are battle-tested. They, uh, they're they sort of just always stuck either in the second round, third round, that type of thing. But that's plenty of experience right there. When, when you get a matchup like a Jokic versus Gobert, where it's one of the most talented centers we've seen in the last decade offensively in Jokic, matchup against Gobert, who's going to be a Hall of Fame, incredible top-tier defender all time, that's going to be so fun to watch. Um, I think, honestly, I would have maybe given the Jazz a bit more of a chance in this one had Michael Porter Jr. not broken out the way he did. He stole that three spot in that lineup and he's not going to let go of it for a decade. Um, I love me some Donnie Mitchell coming for the jazz, but I just think with MPJ, you got Murray, you got Jokic and everything just seems to be clicking right for the nuggets right now. I'd have a tough time seeing the jazz actually take this one. So I think I'm going to go nuggets and six and this nuggets team. Uh, like the, a lot of these guys are still young, still early in their careers. And for them to be this good so soon, like there are these guys right on the verge of being like a top two contender in the West every year. Yeah, definitely. And actually the aforementioned Mavs might be seeing a lot of the nuggets in, in the very near future. Cause it, like the two versus kind of lower C or two or three versus lower C to matchups. Yeah. That's, well, that's just it. It's these guys are young, they're talented and they're just growing better every year. The teams at the top with your Clippers and your Lakers and stuff, how much longer can a guy like Kawhi and a guy like LeBron stay up there? You know, yeah, exactly. LeBron's 35 next year. 
So damn, thirty-five playing like a twenty-five-year-old still. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What, the, what a beast! That guy's a monster. Yeah, whole nother level. And uh, finally, getting to the last matchup of the in the West, uh, we got the Rockets sitting fourth seed versus the Thunder sitting five seed. These teams go way back. Uh, I mean. A lot of the Rockets used to be on the Thunder. A lot of the Thunder used to be on the Rockets. Like these, I feel like this one's going to be the most heated, just based on you know where a lot of these guys started. Like Westbrook and Harden both started with the Thunder. Now are on the Rockets. Chris Paul, he went deep with the Rockets. Now he's on the Thunder. I see you. You get you had a bit of an upset in this one, but you know I, I think this one's going to get a little bit more heated than uh, than some of these other matchups. What do you think? I just think on paper, obviously, everyone's going to say Rockets because they've got two MVPs on their team. But um, I think that those boys should be afraid of a man called CP3. Mm-hmm. He's he's the most... he's As far as the Warriors dynasty that we just finished watching, there hasn't been a better number two guy on a team outside, outside of maybe Kyrie Irving. And I honestly think that you could debate whether or not Chris Paul was more integral as a second man. Because holy cow, did he play well against those guys. And we're talking about a stretch of one of the greatest teams ever that he was just going toe-to-toe with them. Uh, there's a reason they call him the point god. Like, he's he's special. Yeah, and his, and his defense and everything, too. Like, I'm, imagine Chris Paul, instead of Kyrie on those Cavs team, I think they maybe win a couple just based on the defensive prowess of that team. Yeah, especially considering I think he and LeBron would have plenty of chemistry too, considering they're friends and they have very similar minds to the game. They're both so smart that mm-hmm. they'd, they'd figure out a way to play really well together. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, I was going to touch on, though, I think the biggest problem with this Rockets team is just that they're very structurally unsound. They're a very small team. They're trying to do essentially what I said Portland should try to do against the Lakers uh, with the three over two mentality of they just chuck up as many threes as humanly possible and hope to God they all go in. And I just don't know if that's going to work when your number two guys, Westbrook that doesn't shoot the three very well. So, yeah. and uh, last time I checked Westbrook was hurt. I don't know how serious the injury is or anything, but he should be, I'm assuming he should be there for the first game, but yeah, he was, he might be a little banged up too. Yeah. It'd be tough to keep a scrappy guy like that out of the lineup for playoff games. Um, in regards to the whole size problem, I just think uh, it's funny because you never actually talk about a guy like Steven Adams, but I think he's going to have a massive series because he's just going to dominate these boards. And that just completely changes the game. If you can't get rebounds and you're just sending the ball the other way, or rather if you're giving up offensive rebounds and they're getting second chances easy, that's going to be really tough for the Rockets. And uh, Adams is one of the most underrated rebounders in the league. He just gets slept on because he's in OKC and he's like the third option. But he's he's a solid, solid uh, big man. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do there. Um, as for the other side with the Rockets, I think it's undeniable that Harden and Westbrook, as individuals, are phenomenal basketball players. But I just don't know that that alone is going to be enough for them to actually beat the Thunder because I think the Thunder are a better team. Whereas the Rockets just have the two better players. I don't know that they really click as well as they were hoping they would. Yeah. And uh, going going back to the Adams and the, the rebounding, I, I always viewed uh, offensive rebounds almost equivalent to like a power play in hockey. Yeah. Where it just, because you, you get a second chance to score and, and, uh, and uh, you know, it, it can really, if you're consistently getting power plays in hockey, you're going to get the momentum. 
if you're consistently getting offensive rebounds, it's so deflating for the other team. So yeah, I, I agree. That could be a huge, uh, huge boost for the Thunder. Yeah. And actually I remembered too, I was going to mention about CP3. If there was going to be one guy that understood how to play against and beat James Harden, you got to figure it was, it would be his right hand man that he had for the last couple of years. Right. So yeah. that's another big bonus for the Thunder. And that's why I'm actually taking them in the upset here for uh Thunder and seven. Yeah, that that would be. I'm I'm just kind of excited for every one of these matchups in the West. But yeah, the Rockets Thunder one's going to be a heated heated rivalry, I guess. Uh, before we get into the Eastern Conference matchups, we just want to take a quick moment to talk about a new sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app that's doing things a little bit differently. They took out the hours of research needed to find those hitting gems that no one else knows about, because they keep it to just the top tier players. It's best on best, spend your cap, build your roster, and win money. And if you download the app now and deposit some money, minimum $20, and put in the promo code BCMG, you'll receive a bonus $20. So what are you waiting for? Download the app, put in the promo code BCMG, and start winning money today. So, you know, uh, to start off on the, the west side, we talked about how it might be the most challenging matchup that uh, LeBron's ever had in the first round. But that's not exactly the case here on the East. Uh, we're talking about the Bucks, Giannis, and Middleton versus the Magic. Is this one just going to be straight walk through four games, maybe five if they uh, win one later, something like that, and and Bucks are on to the next round? Well, I was kind of thinking it might be the opposite, and that they might just let the Bucks leave after three because it's just been such a dominating performance. <laughs> uh, I give I give the Magic zero shot in this one. I think Giannis is out for blood right now. Uh, the Bucks, as a franchise know that if they're going to keep this superstar in Giannis on their team, they need a deep run. Even if it's just the finals, that's probably good enough. But uh, yeah, this is not close. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so if uh, I know he's mentioned in the past that, you know, he's not one of those guys that goes chasing rings and stuff like that. He wants to be committed to his team. But, you know, eventually it gets to the point where, you know, if you don't make some noise, you know, He's going to want to leave, and and uh, that kind of leads into the next one because a lot of speculation is that maybe he uh, ends up in Toronto next year, which would be absolutely insane for the Raptors, but especially the Raptors being the number two seed again this year after losing Kawhi, and uh, they're taking on the Nets, and you know this is another one that I don't think is very close at all. Uh, I don't, I mean, I I can't believe the Nets didn't finish eighth. Honestly, they're they got nobody right now, and. And uh, for them to be in the seventh spot, this is probably an even easier matchup for the Raptors than the Bucks have against the Magic. Am, am I wrong about that? Yeah, I just think the Nets are kind of that transition team right now. And everybody knows it when it comes to the basketball world. It's This is just the prequel to what's going to be a incredibly talented, probably first or second seed ne- Nets next season when they get KD and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Uh the, I really look forward to seeing what they can do together because, holy, those are good players. But uh, I think in this case, this is probably another sweep. The Raptors are one of the most complete teams up and down their roster. They can go 10-11 deep, no problem. They can trust anybody on the court at any time, and that's so huge. When when you can have that trust in your guys, it just changes the mentality of everyone in the room. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's a sweep. I, I love Karis LeVert. He's going to be probably the best third option in the NBA next year. But uh, as the number one right now, that's going to be real tough to get over the hump and even steal a game off of the reigning champs. Yeah, and are, and are we are we talking about uh, 
you know, is it are the Raptors? I mean, they're going to win this series, but are they are they going to go deep based on their uh, team play, or is is someone like Siakam going to have to step up and be the star that he showed at times? But there was also some moments where it was like, okay, still a young player, but uh, is he going to be need to be the guy for them to go? farther than the second third round or or are they just going to be a complete team team win mentality well siakam is definitely the star that they're going to need to kick in at some point luckily i think in this first round he can coast it's not as big of a deal really they can just win off of just a good good well-rounded team game as is but you got to figure in that second round they're probably matching up with the celtics as the, the three seed two seed matchup and that is a team that you cannot take lightly and you need your stars to be your stars in in a series like that. So, I mean, hopefully in these four to seven games, uh, a guy like Siakam can really start piecing it together because if he ends up in matchups against Jason Tatum and Tatum's firing on all cylinders, that could be a quick out for the Raptors. So they got to, they got to really get him going. Right, and so that leads into the uh, the third matchup in the East there. Celtics versus 76ers. And this one normally would be a, like, uh, you know, this one would be the one that everybody's watching. You got Simmons and Simmons and uh, Embiid going up against Tatum, Tatum and the rest of the Celtics, uh, who are a great team. But this year, no Simmons, right? So I, I, I just feel as though Embiid's not going to have enough to enough help to be able to carry this team past a team like the Celtics on his own. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously intriguing, right? You always wonder which which Embiid's going to show up because at his best, he's the best uh, center in the NBA, and I don't think anyone would question that. But the problem is, is that he's one of the biggest mopey, like sad, feel bad for me types of guys in the league too. Whereas just his brain shuts off, and I don't understand it. He gets like maybe ticky tack fouled and it doesn't get called and his head's gone the rest of the game and you just can't win with a superstar that's going to play like that. Uh, And it's too bad too, because I think if he were just that elite, like no bullshit center, they could really take it to these guys on the glass. You got Embiid, Horford and Harris who are all awesome big guys. And the glass guys for the Celtics are Cantor and Tice. They're not even in their league. Not one of them is even close to the lowest on that totem pole who I guess to call him lowest is even kind of BS, but an Al Horford, like he, he alone would dominate those two, let alone having those other two with them. But, uh, I think with, with no Simmons in the lineup, you, you allow a guy like Kemba to see the floor, uh, with little to no, uh, like influence impeding him and that's just gonna run run the series so I think maybe you can get a couple of really good games out of an Embiid or a Harris and maybe steal a couple but I still think it's Celtics in like six but yeah I think this one's gonna be five honestly for the Celtics uh Simmons yeah. is a huge loss but I don't know I know you're a huge KD fan but I always see a lot of similarities between Embiid and KD where uh you know they let they're great players when they're playing uh, you know, when they're focused and playing, but they let things outside of the game affect them way more than they should for people who are as talented as they, they are. They need to, mm-hmm. both these guys, they need to just like cut out all the bullshit, like quit making fake Twitter accounts to, you know, back yourself up and uh, just play the, play the game because when they're playing, they're, they're two of the best players, but they just, they get rattled so easily. And I think, I think Embiid is in the same tier as KD in that regard. Yeah. I think the only difference between the two is that for whatever reason, 
when KD is kind of going off in his head, it it seems to help him. Like yeah. he he almost gets better on the court. Whereas with Embiid, it looks like he kind of emotionally shuts down, and you see it in his game. Yeah, true. Yeah, K- KD always he always plays well, even even if he's rattled. But yeah, it just both these guys I think can can use uh, some some sports psychology. <laughs> Yeah, some, some a little bit more focus on their uh, their mental state uh, before and after games and stuff. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, moving on to our last matchup in the West, we got the Pacers versus the Heat. Um, this one's interesting. Another another four versus five. That it's well, maybe the five actually is the better team here. Pacers they have a lot to to go on, but they just haven't been clicking the way that the Heat have, right? Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I think it's because they had a lot of uh, their success with Victor Oladipo. And for whatever reason, whether he's still hurt or like, you know, something's off about him, I, I don't know what's going on, but he's going to need to figure it out if the Pacers want a shot here. Uh, a lot of their offense relies on the ball getting to him at some point. And so they're they're going to have to find a way to get that clicking again. On the other side, you've got Jimmy Buckets, who's always had a chip on his shoulder. He's been the second fiddle in so many scenarios. And finally, this is his team. The stage is set. Jimmy, you can shut everyone up. Go out there. Show them what you can do. This is the, this is a, with Jimmy, it's, it's always been weird for me where it's like, like, I know he's a great player, but I don't think he's the, I don't think he's that good that he can be the number one without a doubt and lead that team to anything in the playoffs. I think he needs to be the second guy. He needs to be the second best player on his team for the team to be a stud, but he just can't handle the being second fiddle. His ego can't handle it. And he's always wants to be the guy. Now he is, but you know, even if they get past the Pacers, are they really good? Is he really going to be able to lead them past one of these higher seeds? Like the, like the bucks. Oh, I, (laughs) I don't know about that. No. Uh, but like that's a whole nother story. I think that's just because of, that's how the matchups work. Where like the Bucks are gonna go on a tear here, yeah. in my opinion. I think they're just gonna beat everybody senseless. So, um, I think that Bam Adebayo could be a huge part of a series involving the Bucks. But in this one, he's gonna have some troubles because Demontis Bonus, in my opinion, is like top three top five power forward and miles turner is a stout center defensive player he's solid so bam's gonna have his hands full um i'd look for guys like uh tyler hero or a kendrick nunn to have bigger roles in the series because they're gonna have to shoot from the outside rather than trying to force the ball inside because bam is gonna have a lot to deal with down low the other thing with the pacers is that tj warren has been phenomenal in the bubble like on a whole nother level and maybe that can replace the points that they're missing out of Oladipo but you gotta wonder for a guy that's generally considered just a average maybe slightly above average player how long can he consistently play at that hot tempo right mm-hmm. so uh in this one I've got it pretty tight I'm going heat and seven yeah I think I agree with you on this one I, I could I, I could see heat and six if uh some of the Pacers guys don't aren't on the top of their game, but yeah, I think this one's going the distance too. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we wrap it up though, I want to, I want to ask you just hypothetically, what would you, what would be the ideal matchup to see in the Eastern conference final? We we're pretty sure the bucks are going to be there. Re- like bias aside, what would be the best uh, matchup just for watching a bit watchability Raptors versus bucks or Celtics versus bucks? 
Well, watchability, I think it'd be Celtics just because there's a lot more like interesting names there in like Jason Tatum or uh, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, right? These are these are bigger names. But as far as a series goes, I think the Raptors are the only team that actually has a chance to maybe upset the Bucks, and that's a big maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're just like the most well-rounded team. And that's why I think that they really could push the box, especially considering you got to figure there's the mental side of the game too. And maybe the Bucks are a little bit afraid to see their Raptors. You never know. Could be that. Could be they just think Kawhi's gone now and now we're just going to run them. Who knows? Well, that's the other thing you said. Uh, watchability would be better because you got Tatum and, and Kemba and those like the star power. But, you know, after Kawhi left, well, last year it was Kawhi and then a bunch of guys doing their job. And then Kawhi left, and these guys showed that they're not just a bunch of guys. These are some stars, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe being the only Canadian team, uh, maybe they get a little bit more uh, notoriety when they, if they make it there and they have a great ser- series with the Bucks. Now the whole league will be talking about Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and like and all these guys who aren't the most well known in the league, but you know they have ability to take over games too. So I, I think that could be a could be like a coming out party for for some of these raptors guys if they if they make it to the the east final there well and that might be why this net series might be the most important series for the raptors in the entire playoffs because this is almost like their tune-up you know like the pregame yeah, set or the, the tone right now yeah the the alabama plays the team no one's heard of and really just gets it rolling that sort of thing and yeah. i i think that that's how the raps need to look at this is this is our opportunity to get all our guns going right now and they need to. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to see that happen. And and then at the same time, show the show the rest of the league that that they're for real. They're not just uh, you know they're they're not just Kawhi's team. They they weren't just Kawhi's team. They're a real team. And and if they they just blow the nets out of the water, and so do the Bucks with the Magic. And then all of a sudden, it's like okay, these are two teams that you know that deserve to to win all those games. Yeah, you just can't go into the next round assuming it's the Celtics, right? You can't just go into the next round sputtering in. If you barely sneak by the Nets in like maybe six really hard-fought games or even if they push you to seven and you're starting to question yourselves and then you match up against a Celtics team that can hit you fast and hard, that's dangerous, right? So they need to take care of business here with these Nets. Yeah, and I just find it so crazy that, you know, the top three in in both conferences, pretty comparable teams, like, uh, like for skill wise and talent level, but mm-hmm. just the, you know, the battles that are going to happen in the West versus, you know, some of these uh, pretty easy series uh, in the East. It's uh, the, the NBA yeah. needs to work on getting uh, evening out this talent a little bit more. Cause uh, it's crazy that the one side can be so just stacked talent wise, top to bottom. And then the other side is like teams like the nets without their two best players are making the playoffs. It's like, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I mean, I think we might be starting to see it just in the fact that KD and Kyrie went over to the Nets. I think that's maybe a sign yeah, that guys year. are starting. To, yeah, you know what I mean? Like guys are starting to pick up on the signs like, okay, all I got to do is get through Giannis if I go to the East, right? Essentially, that's what everyone's thinking at this point. So, I mean, I don't know. You could keep signing in the West, but I mean, look at the Dallas Mavericks. They'd be like a three seed in the East, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. So. And like- well, and like next year, the Nets are going to be a top top three team in the East, 
Uh, so th- there'll yeah. be that, but then the 76ers might be falling off a cliff if they decide to move away from the Embiid Simmons thing. So it's like you get one team ascending and you get another team kind of crumbling and it's just an endless cycle of teams uh, just or the East just not being very strong comparatively to the West. Yeah. Well, and I think that'll play a big hand in uh, – like I'm assuming the East final, at least in my opinion, is going to end up being Raptors and Bucks. And I think that whichever team gets through there might have a little bit uh, more tread still left on their tires because, uh, you know, when you're coming through the West like that and you're playing these these Mavs teams and these Nuggets and, I mean, you get to the final and you're playing the, the Clippers or Lakers or whatever, that's going to wear you down, man. That's going to really wear you down. And so uh, there might be an advantage to the East side team that gets through. Right, yeah. But anyways, uh, that's our show for today uh, from myself, Miles, Jet, and everyone else at Blue Collar Media Group. Thanks for tuning in, and, and hopefully we'll see you again next week. <laughs>